Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Helena Sorensen is a native of Fort Lonesome, Florida. With a hometown like that, could she have been anything but a writer? She is the author of the Shiloh series of fantasy novels, Shiloh, Seeker, and Songbird, published by Rabbit Room Press. She's insightful and honest and funny and brilliant when she talks about writing and identity and parenting and relationships and life, all of which we discuss in this episode. If you ever see Helena's name at the top of an essay, my advice is to read that essay. When I talk to writers, I end up spending a good bit of time encouraging them to get thick skin. <laughs> to to receive criticism, sure. not get their feelings hurt, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to, to assume that the person offering criticism is not there to shame them, but to, mm-hmm. but to be their friend. Mm-hmm. And then in a talk I heard you give a while back, you said something that that really pulled me up short, and and uh, I I may misparaphrase this, so you okay. can fix it. All right. But you said basically, if I were to if if I were to get thick skin, if I were thick skinned, I would go be a you know, a crab fisherman. Right. Um, and to get thick skin would make it hard to, to be a writer. So mm-hmm. can, did, I, did, I quote, did I paraphrase that appropriately? I think that's the essence of it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so tell me about that, because, uh, because I thought that made a lot of sense to me. And, and that was a really interesting pushback to advice that people give and that I give myself. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's given me occasion to rethink some of my, the way I talk about writing and criticism. So right. tell me about that. When you say you need thin skin, what do you mean by that? Well, I first of all, I see where you're coming from because it's important, I think, for writers to remember that they can't be held up by praise or destroyed by criticism, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's necessary. Um, at the same time, I think if you wrap a thick hide around someone whose gifting is based on their sensitivity to the world you destroy the artist. I mean, when I think of thin skin, I think of, um, I think of like the hairs on my arms rising up. Uh-huh. Uh, um, almost a physical reaction to the atmosphere around me, to the currents in the air. And I think for artists, that's true not just of the physical environment, but of conversations, of relationships, of churches and families and cultures, that we are sensitive to shifts and changes in those things. Um, and I had a conversation with someone recently about um, writers being dismissive of their work. Uh-huh. She she was bothered by that. She felt that in in doing that, writers were shaming the people who were trying to praise them. <laughs> and I, I totally yeah. understood where she was coming from. But at the same time, I was explaining, at least my perspective on that, was that the, it was a little bit of a, a shield, a little bit of a self-defense of saying, please don't attack me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know that I'm I have failings, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that has happened in the past, and it's painful um, when people just really attack you and your work and what you're saying. Um, however, I think the stronger I build my defenses, the more thick my armor against the world, the more I'm insulated from the very things that I claim to love and that I want to write about. Mm. I mean, if it's impossible for you to hurt me, it's also impossible for you to move me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was reading... So- Something about um, Thomas Aquinas mm. just yesterday, and and uh, I think it was Aquinas who said that the sense of touch is sort of the mother of all the other feelings, <laughs> um, and and that 
that the sense of touch is the seat of pain for mm-hmm. one thing, right? Um, and and therefore, it, it's kind of the way we navigate the world mm-hmm. is is through touch, which I'd never really thought about before, right? You know, I'm, I'm always talking to people about uh, uh, visual, you know, making sure you're you're giving the reader something to look at, right? Um, but and I haven't thought this through yet, but there, I think there's something relevant to what you're talking about. Um, insofar as the, the our sense of touch really is the way we navigate the world, mm-hmm. and 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 the fact that that touch is the seat of pain, there's something important there that I can't mm-hmm. put my finger on. Right, but maybe you can. So you're up. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll just tag on to Thomas Aquinas. Then. Sure. <laughs> um, well, Thomas Aquinas and Helena say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll be expecting uh, my royalties, you know, very soon. So, um, I, I love that. I haven't heard that quote before, but I'd love to dig into it more. I do think that in some ways, the artist's journey is maybe just sort of an amplification of everyone's journey. Um, and that is of staying alive, even in the midst of pain, or of mm-hmm. staying hopeful when we've been disappointed. Yeah. And so, in some ways, this this leap of faith that a writer takes in writing again, <laughs> right? <laughs> writing again. I think that's maybe the moment yeah. when you decide whether you really want to be a writer, when you've yeah. already published a book. And then you realize what it means, what this mm-hmm. is actually going to look like in real life. And mm-hmm. then you say, is this what I want? Is this what I love? And when you make that decision, you take that leap of, of faith that says, I, I love this so much, I'm willing to make myself vulnerable to pain again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big deal. And, and I think that's true for everyone. If you want to have relationships with people, you have to continually make yourself vulnerable to pain. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Has writing caused you a lot of pain? <laughs> a fair bit, yeah. 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 I... I um, I think it's it's forced me to expose myself to be vulnerable in ways that I had not allowed before. I mean, I spent a lot of time on stage performing, uh-huh. um, and that's one thing. You know, that's a certain uh-huh. kind of um, vulnerability. And in, in college, I was a voice major, and, and there was a lot that was really awful about that, uh-huh. partly because uh, when your body is your instrument, um, it's very difficult to separate the skill of the mm-hmm. art or the craft mm-hmm. from just your physical person. Um and so that's been intense. I had a situation um, not too long ago where I wrote something for the Rabbit Room, and and there was a comment saying that this was the voice of Satan. Really? Speaking, yes. <laughs> and so while that comment is not going to kill me, I'm going to live, <laughs> it still hurts. <laughs> did it Did it make it past moderation? Like, did, uh, it, it, I oh, read it. I'm yeah. Find it. Was, I'm it was find up. It. Yeah. No, I, I didn't, know, I didn't yeah. know about this. So, I mean, it's... Uh, you know, it's tough to be equated with the father of lies <laughs> when you are attempting to speak truth <laughs> to the world. <laughs> uh, okay, I can see that. Yeah, yeah but, you know, we, we move on. <laughs> um, so, um, have you, so, you, so the, you're talking here about the pain of sort of public, there's, it's a public kind of pain. Yes. Um, what about? sort of pre-public like has has uh writing and getting feedback from people for instance Mm -hmm. affected personal relationships for you (laughs) oh i wish i could say that it hasn't this is a bad subject should i not have brought this it's an absurd question in a way right i mean Mm -hmm. why if my husband is talking about trouble that he's having at work or asks my advice on some sort of interpersonal relationship with a colleague that's not going to cause 
trouble, right? I mean, uh-huh. there's, but there's something weirdly personal about creating art and about writing that impacts your relationship with other people. They, um, if they don't like what you're writing, if it's not their style, there's sort of a, a hole in the middle of your relationship, this conversation that no one can have that we sort of tiptoe around. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then there are people who, um, who don't like it, who just avoid you because that's so uncomfortable mm-hmm. for them to, um, you know, to handle. Um, you're working on the assumption that you seem to be working on the assumption that these aren't people who've said, I don't like what you're doing, so I'm going to avoid you, right? Well, yes, but they have noticeably pulled away <laughs> since I've spoken to them about <laughs> writing. I mean, again, artist sensitivity, you are left with certain conclusions based on certain kinds of behavior uh-huh. and, uh, you know, yeah, okay. topics that are okay. actively avoided. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, so you you sent me a, a, an early draft of a novel that's not out yet. Yes. And 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 my response was I can tell this is good. Uh-huh. I can tell that that you, you know, I mean I already know you're a gifted writer. I knew that already. <laughs> it's just that this isn't what I like to read, right? Right. Your, your this this genre that you work in. Yeah. In the 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 Shiloh series. Is is Half Bald Hill part of the is that the same world? Is that a no, different No, not at all. It's a standalone. Okay. Totally different. Okay. It's a weird place to insert that question. But That's anyway. okay. <laughs> um and so, um, you know, and, and everything, especially any essays I read of yours, I'm crazy about. Oh. You just had one out this morning on the story one that I loved. But that particular thing, I just, it's just not, sure. it's not my thing, yeah. right? So what was that like to hear that from me? Because at least I told you, at least I didn't. Yes. Actually, that ca- caveat was so helpful um, because it, it's, it tells me that at my very best on my best day, um, you're not going to be very excited about that particular thing that I'm writing. And that's a comfort. It's it's different than saying, like, I, you didn't get my interest and I really think you're failing at what you've set out to do. <laughs> I mean, that, that would be much more painful. Yeah. But I, I think we've discussed a little bit in the past receiving criticism and how difficult that is, especially early on as a writer, yeah. where you sort of have the assumption that everyone is right except for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and they're giving you opposing viewpoints often. You know, somebody right. hated this character and the other one loved it. And, and you do not know how to weed through that um, mm-hmm. and to decide which is true and which is not. So you sort of are forced, I think, to lean on your own instinct in times when opinions clash. And mm-hmm. that's scary. You know, early on. Yeah. And um, I think a, another useful thing in what you just said is that you have to trust your instincts when there's only one opinion. Right. You know? I mean, w- yes. w- when it's not conflicting opinions, I mean, there's a lot of bad advice that gets floated oh around. My. Yes. And so many people have their hobby horses um, that, I mean, it's it's a dangerous thing to solicit feedback yes. from people. That's true. You know, because... It's it's not when I say they're hobby horses. Sometimes it's they feel like I've got to say something, and I remember something I heard about writing. You're supposed to show, don't tell, or mm-hmm. you know whatever whatever piece of advice they remember yeah. vaguely, and they try to apply it. Mm-hmm. And oh man, it's it, it is it is a perilous thing to to seek feedback from people, and yet I agree. It's also a perilous thing not to seek feedback. I know. <laughs> and I don't know if you have an opinion on, is there safety in numbers? You know, the more feedback you get from a larger uh, spread and variety of readers, is there is that safer than just getting feedback from two or three that are more trusted? I mean, I've done a little bit of both, and I'm, I'm still yeah. not sure where I land on it. Yeah, I mean, I think however many critics you invite in, yeah. um, if you don't have a, um, a clear idea of, mm. of what you're trying to do, 
Um, I mean, for, okay, A, you've got to know, uh, you got to know in, in the big picture, here's what I'm trying to do, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah. And any criticism that that tries to steer you away from what you're trying to accomplish, you just throw that out right. out of hand, which uh, sometimes young writers don't even have the confidence to do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Right? They think maybe maybe what I'm trying to do isn't is right. wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, um, but, you know, I, I was talking to somebody one time who um, she had written off a book-length manuscript. Okay. And then somebody in her um, in her writing group said, well, you shouldn't use that. In You, know, you shouldn't use the word that. Oh. Oh, no. Yeah. And so she went through and got rid of that in the whole book-length <laughs> manuscript. And then somebody said, no, actually, that's okay. So she went, <laughs> then she went through and put all the that's back That's exhausting. In. Yeah. Right. Oh. And the poor thing. I mean, she, she just didn't have any... It seems to me like she she didn't have enough self, mm. you know, to right. to to do that, um, you know, to to create a a book or a project, right? Um, and and without without enough without that much without even enough self to to have an opinion about whether you should have that or not, I'm I'm really it's very impressive or I don't know if impressive is the right word that mm. she. Wrote a whole manuscript. Right. I mean, that's, that's Made it amazing. to the end. It is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, but that's, that was just such a painful story mm-hmm. to me to hear. You mm-hmm. know? Um, I've received criticism from someone um, who sent a list of things that were wrong with the book, and it was unsolicited. I hadn't spoken to him in oh, years. Wow. He was not a writer. Okay. But just felt the need to tell me all the the authors I ought to be reading so I could learn how to tell a story and just everything that was wrong. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, solicited. Where um, do you round these people up? I don't know. I guess I've just bumped into a lot of crazies <laughs> in my time. Because um, it's funny that, that we're talking about all the pain that, you know, you're – that writing has caused you you don't come across as a pained or unhappy person <laughs> okay well that's good i'm glad <laughs> are, are you a pained and unhappy person helena no no i'm really not i didn't think so <laughs> but, but i i i do feel it when my work is criticized yeah yeah i feel it well sure okay so there you go yeah um you talked about as a stage performer it's hard to separate mm. the self from the work or from the art yeah um, do you find it easier in in writing to say this is Helena, this is Helena's work, mm. and they're and they're two different things? If I was nineteen, I probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways, it's why I'm grateful that I didn't study English instead of music because I think they might have crushed my spirit, <laughs> 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 and I would never have had the courage to start writing in the first place. Um, but I I think. Uh, my journey has brought me to that place more than the different uh, medium has brought me to it. Um, That, uh, And in many ways, marriage was one of the things that taught me that. Um, If this relationship with this person doesn't make me okay and everything okay, (laughs) if I have to find that somewhere else, um, then what does that mean about me? And and, and obviously, if I can't find it in marriage and in in a person who loves me and has chosen to be with me forever, um, I'm not going to find it in a book that some people despise. Yeah, so. yeah. It's a weird thing, isn't it, that you that and you use I statements, not mm. you statements. Okay. <laughs> um, that I or we or you mm-hmm. um, need some sort of approval from, pe- from people we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we need people we don't know to say. It is Good job. strange, right? 
And then when, then the people who love us who say, hey, I like this, you think, yeah, that's just because you we love me. We dismiss it, yes. And man, if you've got somebody who likes what you do just because they love you, that's not something to take lightly. I agree. You know? Right. That's a, that is a huge blessing that there's somebody in your world who the fact that, that they love you means they like what you do. Hmm. Um, hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. And our first reaction is to dismiss their opinion as, you know, yeah. invalid. Yeah. Yeah. How, how does love invalidate? <laughs> right? Taste? Or, or, yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. I mean, I do think you then say, hey, I'm really glad my husband likes what I do. I should probably find out from somebody else, too. Right. You know. I'm not going to let him be my editor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but that's a that's a very good thing that, that you have people who, even if you wrote something badly, they'd like it because they love you. Because they love you. Mm-hmm. That's worth something. I mean, that's worth a whole. It's It's worth a lot more than the praise of strangers. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I think the be- the most useful definition of fame is being loved by people that you don't have to love back. <laughs> and that's also why famous people can be so sick. Right. You know? I've never heard that definition before, but boy. I think I might have cutting. made it up. Did you make it I up? I think I might have. Well, I, it's excellent. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear you talk about, because I have heard I, I heard you give a talk on this. might have been the same talk we were talking about a minute ago. Okay. A growth mindset versus a, what's the other mindset? Fixed a fixed mindset. mindset. Um, and how that applies to, to writing. Um, because I've I've heard it a lot in education, mm-hmm. heard it in parenting, mm-hmm. um, and it makes a ton of sense in writing too. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not at all an expert on growth versus fixed mindset, um, but in bumping into it, I think I read an article somewhere that discussed it, and for the first time, it made sense to me um, of why some people I knew were scared to death to share the things they made, mm-hmm. and why others were not. Um, so just In the simplest terms, fixed mindset says that I was born with all of the skills and talents that I'll ever have, Mm -hmm. period. That's it. Um, And I think you see that mindset played out, especially in parents who are always trying to prove the brilliance and talents of their children, (laughs) right? Because they're very frightened that if if some evidence doesn't show up very early, then maybe their child will be ordinary and have no special gifts or talents. Mm -hmm. Um, And and a lot of their self-worth is tied up in that. And so they're, I mean, I hear moms talk about, oh, well, my child read at three and my, you know, you you hear a lot of that (laughs) in the world of moms. Um, But uh, it's really hilarious because you can't look at a child who is crawling around on the floor or, or lying in a puddle and say, this child has all the skills they will ever need to function in life. Yeah, right. They have to learn them, and they learn them in the messiest ways possible. They smear food all over themselves. They destroy yeah. everything. They fall and injure themselves repeatedly. Yeah. But in that process, they make brain connections that allow them then the next time to take a step more smoothly and eat, uh-huh. you know in a neater way than before. So, <laughs> um, growth mindset says, obviously, that I learn by mistakes. Uh-huh. Um, and I, you know, there are some gray area here that has to do with people with special gifts and talents, people who are just born with, mm-hmm. you know, prodigious skills and abilities. And I don't have any place to put those, so I won't discuss right. them now. Um, but for writers and artists, I think so many of us are terrified of that moment when we find out 
we were born without the skills and abilities. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. And so we've we've started this project, this novel, poem, whatever it is, and we fear going to anyone and asking their opinion or even just putting it out there because if someone determines that it's lacking, then that is a a once and forever final statement on me, Mm -hmm. right? That's, I'm lacking, period. And that can never be changed. Um, But a a growth mindset says the feedback I receive, which is just what we've been talking about, might allow me to fix problems and to grow Mm -hmm. and improve. And if my next draft is still not Pulitzer worthy, it's probably going to be better than my first one was. Um, And I think that that when we we begin from that perspective as writers, we lose some of that fear of criticism or of sharing our work with others. And we actually gain the help and feedback that we need to improve. Yeah. Well, um, the, the, when I first ran into the, the language of the growth mm-hmm. mindset and, and the fixed mindset, it was, it was in the context of parenting mm-hmm. and talking about the way we affirm our children. Mm. And when they come home and, and with, a, with an A, the, person with the, the parent with a fixed mindset says, you're such a smart kid. Good job. Right. And the parent with a growth mindset says, you must have really worked hard right. to get that A. Mm-hmm. And because the kid who hears, you must be really smart because you made an A, when they make a C... They think, well, maybe I'm not smart. Right. And the kid who's, who who heard you work really hard for that A, then when they get a C, can think, okay, this was a C, but I know how to work and I know how to I know how to how to get better. Right. And both children are locked in. That's what's so difficult, <laughs> yeah. right? Whether it's it's a positive thing that if yeah. if I'm an A student, then I feel the pressure to maintain that yeah, at all right. times. Yeah. And if I'm a C student, right, then that's just who I am, mm-hmm. and there's no hope for change. Um, yeah. I love um, when I teach creative writing. I, I have this pair of, of uh, short essays. Actually, uh, they were assignments that the same person turned in in two subsequent weeks. <laughs> and the first one isn't good. Mm-hmm. And we talk about what's not good, not good about it and have a few laughs. <laughs> right. <laughs> Poor anonymous student. <laughs> and then I pull out the second one and we talk about how great it is. Mm. And then I say, hey, guess what? Same person wrote these <laughs> one week apart. Wow. Right. And this isn't 10 years yeah, of difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is sometimes you write badly, sometimes you write well, and usually the times you write well, that started out writing badly. Yeah. You know? For sure. I mean, it's so important, I think, to, to for people to understand, uh, you, know, you, you know, you've heard people say to, to write well, you've got to write badly first. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't, that doesn't just mean I've got to write badly when I'm young and then when I'm grown, I'll write oh, well. Oh, no, no. It's like even when you're grown and a good writer, that manuscript probably starts out pretty bad. Right. And you, uh, I think we've both met plenty of people who are overcome with terror about even putting the first words on the page. I mean, even mm-hmm. just starting for them, uh, they are a slave to the fixed mindset. Um, and so they don't even get the chance to finish a, f- a bad first draft and move on to the next one because they're absolutely paralyzed by this fear of exposure and failure. And it's it's funny to me sometimes how, um, you know, we go around and talk about the value of words and art and, oh, our words are so powerful. And I absolutely believe that. But then sometimes we can a little overly precious about it, you know. Just put some words on paper, yeah. and then you can work on them. You know, yeah. I mean. Yeah. So, um, how did you get past the point, the 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 fear of putting words down on the page, or, or was that something that you that is that something you have struggled with or do struggle with? 
It's not one of my bigger struggles, uh-huh. and I don't know if that's just sort of a, a lackadaisical <laughs> attitude. Um, I guess I just assume it's going to be bad, and I, uh-huh. my goal is to run really fast through the bad stuff so that I can start to work on it. Yeah. And plus, I, I, I'm never going to show anyone my first drafts. I mean, I don't feel the need for anyone to see those, so that's just me yeah. talking to me, and uh-huh. I'm not afraid of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're not afraid that you're going to hit my bus before the... <laughs> The next draft. <laughs> well, if something awful, you know, turns up in my drawer and they read it at my funeral, I will have a good laugh from the other side. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Oh, I saw a picture of, um, never mind, I'm not going to get into this. Okay. <laughs> a famous poet's um, tombstone, and the quote on it was just, it, I, I, I just couldn't believe that, I don't know how that ended up on this person's tombstone, because it was not, It surely it wasn't like one of his lines. Anyway, I'm not gonna get into it. Okay, I'd love to hear more about that. It was it was bad. It was it was basically a cliche, right? That I guess one of the family members selected to carve into stone for him. (laughs) And he's he's a beloved poet, like like, one of my favorite one of my favorite poets. (laughs) There's something lovely about that, you know. Yeah, you know what? There is something lovely. Yeah, there there is something lovely about Mm -hmm. that. You're right because because as we said before, the fact that that our loved ones love us, right? Is way more important than our loved ones having taste or yes or yeah credentials. I, I wish they'd done a little bit better on, right. the, on the tombstone. But, <laughs> yeah. um, okay, I'm looking at my notes. Okay. Um, oh, okay. One more thing. Same sure. talk. We're just rehashing this talk you gave last, okay. last October because it was it was so good. You said something uh, that I, you were quoting somebody else, and you said mm-hmm. last year's words belong to last year's language. language. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. This I think this is probably related to the growth mindset, but it is, and it, it comes, I think, of several of the things we've been discussing. Um, and and there's a need for <laughs> for those of us who have are writing and we're sharing our work. Um, sometimes there's a frustration with our early work, the first mm-hmm. thing we did, the first thing we wrote, and you know when you're growing up. You have all those awkward adolescent stages, and only your mom and your siblings have those terrible pictures to go back and laugh over. <laughs> Most of the world knows you as your grown-up self yeah, right. when you've grown into your ears and your arms and legs and mm-hmm. such, and <clears throat> and you have the dignity of adulthood. But but in writing, we sort of have to go through all those awkward adolescent stages in the public eye, and all our works are lined <laughs> up on, an, you know, on a level plane on a bookshelf, yeah. um, as though they uh, are all as skillfully executed as each other. Um, and so my tendency is frustration over the early stuff. Um, and yet, the early stuff, having done that, was how I learned to get to the later stuff. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't, I, if I had skipped that portion of the journey, I wouldn't be where I am now. Yeah. And so I, I don't want to treat it with contempt and dismiss it. Um, that poem is a, a, a portion of Eliot. Uh, let me see. It's not the Four Loves. That's Lewis. Um, the Four Quartets. Thank you. Okay. Right. Um, Last year's words belong to last year's language, and the full-fed beast shall kick the empty pail. Um, so that I feel like sometimes that's myself. Like I've I've reached this point in writing, and it's easy to go back and dismiss the work that I did when I knew less and had less experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to do that because the words that I had last year were the words that I had. That was the best that I had to offer, and I gave it. Yeah. And there's something great about that. Yep. You know, meager though it was, I gave it. Um, but this year's words are new and different, yeah. and maybe better than last year, and and I want to give those as well. Yeah, so it's a it's an exercise of being kind to yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Is it? Uh, I mean, is that kind of the gist of this? We're talking about being kind, kind to ourselves, or is there something Maybe. more? Maybe I think um, being kind to yourself uh, it, and all of yourselves, all uh, yeah. in, in every stage of the journey. Maybe yeah, yeah. Embracing that and and knowing that it's that's not the full sum of who you are. Mm-hmm. So it's okay yeah. to laugh a bit about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Last question. Sure. Um, I often uh, I'm trying to get in the habit when I remember to ask this at the end of every episode of the okay. habit. Who are the writers who make you want to write? Ursula Le Guin makes me want to write. Okay. Um, she builds worlds with fewer words than anyone I've ever encountered, and mm-hmm. I think it's um, an amazing skill. Um, Can you give me an example? Do you? Ha- I mean, this may be hard to do, mm. but what what is an, an example of the way she she does that? Um, quick. How, how does she quickly build a world? Um, she is immersed in it herself uh-huh. and feels no need to explain you into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like that's and it's powerful. It's difficult to read, um, which is maybe why she's wasn't a multimillionaire <laughs> bestseller, you know, is, and why fewer people don't know her name. But I kind of love the work I have to put into her work because then I feel mm-hmm. a bit initiated into her world. I feel like yeah. I, I own it in a yeah. way that I don't necessarily own all the stories that yeah. I've read. So she has fully conceived this world. But that doesn't mean she feels a need to dump it all on you. Not necessarily. In, I think she just sort of pushes you over a cliff to fall into it. Yeah. And uh, there's something really wonderful about that. And she writes science fiction. And so uh-huh. um, I think the that style is suited to the genre. Interesting. Because mm-hmm. I, I would have thought it would be more common for, I don't read a lot of science fiction, but I, I would ex- expect little, science yeah. fiction to have a lot of exposition at the beginning, kind of explaining, you know, the world. The concept, yeah, yeah. the concept-driven thing that she does. I don't know. She writes fantasy as well, and, and I feel that there too, but maybe it's because the science fiction is so much more um, abstract and difficult mm-hmm. to grasp. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. there's a lot of confidence, I think. Yeah. Behind her work. Confidence in the reader, confidence in herself. Both. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, there, there, there's, it's okay for the reader to be a little confused if they're, mm-hmm. if, if you're, if it's the right, mm-hmm. if you're doing it on purpose and not accidentally sure. confusing your reader. Right. With your, with your faulty pronoun antecedents. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't love that in every book all the time, but there's something remarkable about, about the way she does it that I really admire. Yeah. All right. Helena, thank you. I always love talking to you. Thank Maybe you so we'll much for having me. Soon. I'd love to. Right, bye. Bye-bye. The Rabbit Room has partnered with Lipscomb University to make this podcast possible. Lipscomb has graciously given us access to their recording studio and the Center for Entertainment and Arts building. We're so grateful for their sponsorship, their encouragement, and the good work they do in Nashville. Special shout out as well to the Arcadian Wild for allowing us to use their delightful song, Finch in the Pantry, as part of this podcast. Check out their album of the same name for more excellent music. The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co. This podcast was produced by The Rabbit Room, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to fostering Christ-centered community and spiritual formation through music, story, and art. All our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com and to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate.